Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside Justin Garcia today. Of course, you know him from the Bucks Radio Network. And also, the Bucks in 60 podcast is back. And I, I don't want to give away too much, but if, if you want to listen to tomorrow's episode, it's totally fine. He has a guest on there. You might recognize the voice. Uh, I, I don't know whether I should uh, give any more hints or just leave it there, Justin. Yeah, I mean, I'll say we've had some big guests so far in the first week, but this might be the biggest one yet. Uh, that's an absolute lie because I've seen you actually have had some pretty big guests. So, uh, like I said, Bucks in 60 podcast, you would have heard that through the season. It's back. And so is Bucks basketball. And I, I wanted to start by asking you a question because yesterday's podcast, after I finished recording, uh, recorded with Mitchell Mauer, we went through the Dallas game with the fine tooth comb. So if you missed that one and you want to get some recap, you can go back and listen to that. But after I recorded that, I was thinking to myself, Am I being too blasé about what we're seeing from the Bucks in the bubble so far? Because I'm generally pretty relaxed when it comes to Bucks games, certainly during the regular season. It was a disappointing loss yesterday in the fashion that they gave away another late lead. I was generally pretty satisfied with the execution down the stretch. The shots just didn't fall. So that's how I came to the you know resolution in my own mind that this game was still won that I, I don't feel too negative about. But am I overlooking anything? How worried should Bucks fans be or how much should they be taking out of these games that we've seen? And should I be a little bit more critical of this team right now? Uh, well, I've actually had the same question because, you know, I talked about this with um, someone you've had on a couple of times. I talked about it with Seth Partnow yeah. last week and that just how – you know, the, the nature of basketball fans to dissect individual games as much as we do, um, for example, NFL games where, you know, one specific game is more important than it is in the NBA, that we're, we're applying it to one out of 82, which just seems crazy. So I've kind of had that approach. And especially in the bubble, knowing these are essentially eight exhibition games for the Bucks that we knew the magic number was two, they were going to clinch the top seed. So you know, what do you really pull away from these games? Um, and then, yeah, it was after another loss to the Mavericks where, you know, uh, you can question some of the execution down the stretch. It wasn't quite as bad as what we saw uh, against the Rockets, but there were still some familiar tones to it. And, you know, I, I kind of brought the same thing up of, should I think this is a bigger deal than I actually do? I, I guess my big thing is, you know, as long as we don't see more, of the Nets game performances where it's just disinterested and going through the motions for 24 minutes. And then, you know, the bench finally shows up in the second half, as long as that's not what you're getting, I guess there's not in my mind, a whole lot to really take away until we get to the second round of the playoffs. And especially the Mavs thing. I mean, look, when Luka Doncic plays like that, most teams aren't going to beat the Mavericks. 
Yeah, so the only thing I'm thinking is because in my own mind, I'm like, okay, well, look, the defense hasn't been great so far. But I look across the league and, you know, for the most part, for the strong majority, the defense has not been great. The offenses have been through the roof, which is kind of shocking to see. And I I asked Bud that exact question yesterday. Is he surprised by how good the offenses have been uh, in, in Florida? And he said, yeah, I am. And he sort of paused for a few seconds after that. It was very emphatic. He said, typically, offenses take longer than the defense to catch up. There's rust. There's just getting in sync, getting in chemistry. It hasn't been the case. And it hasn't been the case for the Bucs either. Their offensive rating is up at 112, uh, you know, very similar to their regular season levels. We know they've had great performances from Giannis, Brooke, and Chris. But, you know, I guess my only question is, it's going to get real very quick. So at yeah. what point do you want to say, okay, I'm, I'm ready for the playoffs. I'm feeling good about the playoffs. Yesterday, Brooke Lopez was asked, what are the Bucks going to need to see from the last three scrimmage games or last three seeding games to be ready for the playoffs? And he shook his head and said, oh, we're ready for the playoffs. We're ready to go. So basically, it felt like he was saying, listen, we're the number one seed. We, we know what we've done during the regular season. We know what we can do. Did you see that Miami game? We flipped the switch. We can play defense when we want to. So that's in the back of my mind, and I'm hopeful that that's the case. But maybe you would have liked to see a little bit more consistently defensively because, as I just said, it is going to get real very fast. Yeah, we're not going to see anything during the regular season that's going to change your mind if, if you're in that camp just based yeah. on – what they have to play for, what the schedule is, you know, we'll probably see some, a bit of rest for a a number of guys here. So it's going to boil down to the playoffs. And I think, you know, as long as we see four decisive dominant wins over the nets or the magic, whoever it is, that will probably alleviate a lot of concerns. Um, You know, part of it for me too, where I haven't been as concerned has been the names that you mentioned that, Coming into this, you know, we looked back at the Eastern Conference Finals last year and saw Giannis didn't have a great series. Chris didn't have a great series. Really nobody outside of uh, – Malcolm Brogdon probably had the best series of anyone, and Brooke had a couple of good games. But nobody really played well, and it just kept bringing up the, okay, well, you know, um, teams can figure out how to wall off Giannis. And then is Chris a good enough number two? Who's going to be the next man up? What we've seen in these five bubble games and four for him is that Brooke Lopez is, is more than capable. And, you know, we knew that, but now we're seeing it statistically where I think he's at 22 points a game that he's averaging in this. And all the offensive woes that he had during the regular, regular season here have seemed to have dissipated, especially from three point where I think he's shooting over 40% from three in these four games. So that's certainly encouraging. And I think the big questions coming into this were, okay, you hope after basically five months off, Chris can maintain uh, what he has been at. He has absolutely done that. And then George Hill, who it's been a little more of a process, but it feels like, you know, George Hill is, is if not back to where he was for most of the regular season, he's at least three quarters of the way there. Yeah, so Brooke Lopez, I pointed to a few of the numbers after yesterday's game, but I have got the Bucks' full stats from the bubble in front of me right here. So uh, first of all, the three-point shot, we know. I mean, he's up at 43.5% so far in Disney, which is just... I mean, is that going to be sustainable? No, probably not. But geez, it's such a relief to see him shoot that way for a stretch, particularly coming off the break. I think it's interesting we're seeing him in the corners a lot more. He's been shooting more corner threes than we've seen. That's been a wrinkle. 
that uh, just hasn't been there. We've, we've gotten so used to him just blazing away from four or five feet behind the three-point line above the break. I like that he's been able to get to the corner a little bit. The other interesting thing is we've spoke about his two-point uh, attempts you know, in great detail on the podcast, so I don't want to go over it again too much. But he's averaging 10.2 two-point shots per game right now. Now, yesterday, obviously, inflated the numbers. He had 27 shot attempts. But 10 two-pointers a game... And his free throw attempts are up to 5.5. They were around two during the season. So just the numbers are telling you, uh, we're seeing it, but this has been a significant change with the way they're using him. Yeah, and and 27 shot attempts against the Mavericks too, where, you know, um, the shooting has been there from from all uh, areas of the floor. And I can't, you know, during the regular season, we mentioned shooting – what, 29%, I think he was down to before this restart from three. I, you know, I know it's only been four games, but I can't even remember a four-game stretch where offensively, especially from three, he has been like this during, you know, the previous regular season games that were played before Orlando. We are professional athletes, Justin, but we don't have to be to get the benefits from CBD, MD. Because our friends over at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets a little bit chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. To make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code MBA at the checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. You know, it's kind of funny. He looked like he was potentially on a, on a path for a career high, career high 39 points. Obviously, he finished with 34 and sat out the last few minutes as we discussed again yesterday. Defensively, uh, you know, there's a, th- this is the interesting thing. When you compare the numbers from the regular season to the Bucks in the bubble, so points in the paint from the opposition have dropped from 38.8 down to 32.8. The Bucks paint defense has been as suffocating as ever yesterday unfortunately the Mavericks got off the chain and I think they had 52 points in the paint that was a real anomaly we haven't seen that too many times against this Bucks team but the paint defense has been as I said suffocating overall the points per game have gone up a significant margin the defensive rating has gone up 10 points so that's 10 points per 100 possessions and the three-point attempts from the opposition have gone from 38.6 per game, which was already number one in the league, up to 50.8 per game. 50.8 three-point attempts per game. And the unfortunate thing with that is the percentages have not changed whatsoever. 35.6% in the regular season, 35.8% in the bubble. So it's actually gone up. So that is not a good sign. Uh, it was even worse. It was actually 54 points in the paint that the Mavs had uh, in that game. And, uh, you know, I would have thought Maxi Kleba had 50 points if that were the case. But, uh, <laughs> what you know, and not to make this too much over the Mavs game because I know you've already poured over that. But uh, after that game ended, one of my bigger takeaways was, 
well, you know, like the, the, it wasn't really three pointers that did the Bucks in as much as it was the first time that these two teams played back in December. And then you look through it and think, oh, Dallas still took 53 threes and made 17 of them. So it's not great, but that just kind of speaks to how fantastic Luka Doncic was. Yeah, I mean, that was the ultimate death trap of numbers for the Bucs. If you're going to give away that many three-point attempts, you can't give away 50-plus points in the paint. In many respects, it was staggering that they were able to take this game to overtime and even compete with that team. You just would not believe that that would be the case. I've seen a lot of Bucks fans on Twitter, and, you know, I mean, you have to agree with them that the Bucs have been overhelping. They've been allowing the corner threes in particular to uh, be available to opposition teams. And it's interesting because this hasn't always been the case with this team. I spoke to Seth Partnow about this a little bit last week, but during the pre-shutdown regular season, the Bucks gave up nine corner threes per game. That's a really average number. That's pretty much middle of the pack. Uh, there's a bunch of teams that are around that figure. It could be lower, but it's not disastrous. They gave up 30.3 above the break threes. In the bubble so far, that nine from the corner has bumped up to 13.2 from the corner. And above the break has bumped up from 30 to 37. So the corner threes are an issue. If you're giving up 13 corner threes per game, it's probably not going to uh, end well for you. And a lot of them have been wide open. Funnily enough, the worst team in the league for giving up corner threes, Toronto, they've seen that spike right up to 15.2. They're giving up 15 corner threes a game in the bubble, despite having by far the best defense in the NBA in the bubble. Right. So... I guess the question has to be asked, and I I think this is where I come back to the Miami game. There's giving up threes, and then there's giving up wide open threes. And I think for the most part, we've seen the Bucs giving up wide open threes. Do you feel that this is as simple as the Bucs playing playoff basketball and saying, okay, let's close out with a little bit more intensity here. Let's play defense with a little bit more intensity. Or do they need to back off on the help a little bit and trust each other? Well, so I think there's two things to look at. And I, I, you know, I think when we've seen this team that you referenced locked in defensively, they're not giving up open threes that you, you know, you think back to the Brooklyn game, you think to the first half of the Miami game, especially there was a lot of open looks, but then when you see this team dialed in, it's a different story, but it is interesting to, you know, look at overall what teams have done against them from the outside. And, you know, I also found it funny after the game, the Nets saying that they ran into the Rockets at the pool and Houston told them, hey, here's what you got to do against the Bucs. So that kind of explains why Brooklyn is sub-500 if you need somebody else to tell You're you, right. by the way, the Bucks give up a lot of threes, that you haven't noticed that yourself. But, you know, I think it is worth asking, is this more of a philosophical change where this is coaching saying let's do this and let's help out more? Or is this just because, you know, a product of being away from practice and being away from just the flow of it where – maybe that's more reactionary and it's going to take some time to revert back to these defensive principles and what the coaching scheme is opposed to, you know, growing up playing basketball and thinking you constantly have to help out defensively. Is that just a product of the break and and getting back into the mix here? um, You know, we don't know. And I guess we would have to ask coach Budenholzer if that's the case. Yeah. I think one of the points that you know from from myself included just gets looked over is how little these guys have practiced because uh brooke lopez himself has spoke about the fact that communication is you know the most important thing with defense they haven't been able to do a lot of five on five and since the games have started i mean you, you got game practice which is great you're playing against other opposition teams particularly the bucks have played against really high quality opposition which is great for them 
But because they're playing every other day and now they have a back-to-back coming up here, they haven't been really practicing in between. So you don't get that couple of days off where it's like, okay, let's let's really focus on the defense. Let's knuckle down. Let's look at what we're doing, what we don't like. How can we adjust? So I I think that's something that's been a little bit overrated that, or overlooked, I should say, that they haven't had the time on the practice court to figure these things out and make those significant adjustments. And again, I, I thought early in the game, there was a little less help and then they just had the magician, Luka Doncic, uh, strolling into for layups and, and just cutting through absolutely everyone. He was just simply amazing. I, I can't talk up his performance anymore. Well, and even still, I mean, when they have, and, and we've seen a couple of shoot-arounds uh, canceled just because of the schedule, and when they have had their practices or shoot-arounds, I mean, it's, it's not like it is during the regular regular season where you're doing this from your gym it's three separate courts you're sharing with 22 teams that it's a little more compressed and especially when you factor in the time they need to get everything uh, sanitary in between each of those so um i think you know that's that's probably playing at least a minor role in what we're seeing all right, Justin, you know all about our friends at rockauto.com. You've been on this podcast enough. You've heard me talk about how great their service is. It is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 plus years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for the professionals as they are for guys like me. You do it yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. That's locked on in how did you hear about us box. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. No doubt. So before we move on to the Raptors a little bit, I want to talk a little bit about this game. Uh, listeners, yeah, please let us know on Twitter. Hit us both up. You know the at Locked On Bucks account. Are we going too easy on this team? What do you want to see? How much are you stressing out? And what do you want to see in these last three games? Because you know the Bucks are in a really unique situation. And as I said, uh, it's kind of insane to think about the three more games here, and then the first round begins. So regardless of who you're playing, that's when. Uh, you got to get it right, and you can't afford to slip up, regardless of who the Bucks will be playing. And we think they'll be fine, but you know, playoffs is a different ball game. So for the Raptors, this game, I have no idea what to expect from just from a personnel point of view. The Raptors played the Grizzlies uh, today, so they're going to be on the back end of a back-to-back. Their starters played major minutes as they always do. Siakam played thirty-six. Van Fleet and Lowry both played 35 minutes. So am I expecting all those guys to play? Not really. And if they do play, am I expecting them to play 36 minutes again? I don't think so. It doesn't seem like that would be a beneficial move for Nick Nurse to take, particularly with the Raptors locking up the number two seed. From the Bucks' point of view, Giannis is listed on the injury report, and I'm sure by the time you guys are listening to this, you may have an update, although the Bucs uh, have no shoot around because this is a little bit of an earlier game. So chances are we won't find out right until tip. Toothache. Giannis has a toothache. And there was a lot of people laughing at this, and I admit, because it's a pretty funny thing to see on the, the injury report. I haven't seen this a lot. But I will say, anyone that's had a toothache before, it's pretty damn painful. So if that's the case, 
I hope he's feeling well. But like I tweeted, I'm just glad that it wasn't an ache in uh, some other portion of his body. Let's just say that. Well, um, would you be referring to the Wallabies? Uh Yes, as I said on the stream yesterday, uh, and people seem to be very entertained by me being this blunt, but I was, what, I was on the stream yesterday. Uh, hot mic, by the way. I'm going to be doing Bucks and Raptors, so if you follow me on Twitter, you'll know how to get on there. But I, I, I watched the replay, and I said, well, he's just been kicked straight in the dick, and everyone started laughing, and I, I, didn't, I, mean, I didn't know how else to describe it. That's what happened. I w- you, so the Raptors game, uh, I don't know what to expect because it feels like every time we think – well, based off the schedule, I would guess here's what the Bucks will do. It's just something completely different that Bud yeah. <laughs> goes with. I mean, I think we feel pretty confident in saying one of these two games, the Raptors or the Wizards, we're not going to see Giannis and Chris and, and who knows, uh, maybe more guys beyond that. But the Raptors one, what uh, struck me the most is not only the minute totals that their main guys played, but they, for all intents and purposes, against the Grizzlies today, played seven guys so um not only did they you know ride their horses in this they didn't really go to the bench outside of norman powell and serge Ibaka. other than that it was i don't think anybody else registered double digit minutes so i would expect this is going to be a total punt game from the raptors and you know you wonder if you're bud if you see that and you say okay we'll do the same thing considering this game means nothing for you know one through three in the eastern conference um, I just keep going back to the schedule here where we know the playoffs are going to start early next week and you got three games left. You have a back to back. I kind of feel like this Raptors game would be where you would play your regulars at least for a half. And the game against the wizards is where you would rest just so, you know, that way you can then play guys again, even if it's only for a half on Thursday, just to avoid, effectively going a full week without games and then starting a playoff series. Yeah, I mean, you do have to be careful with that. I mean, the one thing that you'll get is the Bucks will probably get a few days to practice as we just spoke about. But yeah, if I had to guess, and I was kind of hoping that these teams would play uh, all their starters so we would get one last really solid run in and then you can do what you want um, with the final two games. But, you know, again, we'll see what the Raptors do in the morning. I, I just couldn't believe or I couldn't imagine that the Raptors would play their starters back-to-back after such a a heavy workload. The one thing that's interesting to look at with Toronto right now, uh, they've really, really struggled offensively uh, since coming into the bubble. They've got by far the best defense. 99 defensive rating is pretty insane and by normal standards, but by bubble standards, from what we've seen across the first four or five games for each team, that's out of this world. We know they're an elite defensive team offensively they haven't been able to score so their highest score in the bubble so far is 109 points they scored that in a win over the Orlando Magic Uh, let's be honest not a a terrifying defensive team at this point without Jonathan Isaac Aaron Gordon a bunch of players that they're missing the Bucks lowest score in the bubble so far is 116 so when I look at this game I see a Bucks defense that gets a really good opportunity again based on who plays to get his mojo back a little bit and sort of clamp down on a team that, you know, is going to struggle to score in the paint. They're going to shoot threes as everyone is against the Bucks. But the, the issue I see with the Raptors and their offense, and I, I, I don't know why they're struggling so much, but I'm looking at Pascal Siakam. I tweeted out some numbers the other day, and this might be more relevant of a discussion to have in any playoff series that's upcoming because he might not even play in this game. But against the contenders, in the East. So Siakam, we know he's really struggled against Boston. He had a, a 
pretty average night the other night when the, the Raptors were completely destroyed. But against the Bucks in two games, he's averaged 19 points on 16.5 shots, just 39% field goal percentage against Miami, 18.5 points on 14 shots, 42% field goal percentage. And against Philadelphia, it's been even worse, 19.7 points on 20 shots at just 40%. So this is a guy across the board. If you look at his numbers, he's really struggled against above 500 teams. I think the Bucs have done a fantastic job in the past, whether it's Brooke, whether it's Giannis, Marvin Williams in the last game we saw go to him a little bit. Uh, they really keep him out of the pain and force him into being a jump shooter. For the Raptors to have success in the playoffs, they're going to have to score. They're not just going to be able to stop teams. They're going to have to put points uh, on the board themselves, and Siakam has to be that guy. Uh, he struggled against good teams this year. Yeah, their defense is, is certainly what concerns you the most because they can turn each game into a slugfest then. And we've seen, you know, Fred Van Vliet come up big with hitting shots. And as long as they can keep it close defensively, that's the fear that's in the back of your mind. But, you know, we've asked it before during the regular season, and you have to ask it going into the postseason, is uh, the defense still worries you. But offensively, when you look at the team, uh, let's be honest, it's a star-driven league. And, you know, that final possession – Who's the guy that's going to take the shot? I know Kyle Lowry won't shy away from it, but when you're game planning and saying, we have to contend with knowing uh, Kawhi Leonard is there and a guy that, you know, we saw what he did to the Sixers and we saw how he closed down games against the Bucs in the Eastern Conference Finals. We're going to have to contend with that. That's gone. So that certainly takes some of the mystique away from the offense. And that's a big reason why I think we're seeing that offense struggle in games like this. And, you know, just for reference too, you said 109 was their high. They scored 108 points today. Uh, outside of their opponent, the Memphis Grizzlies, and the G League Washington Wizards, every other team that has played in today's game uh, scored far more than that than uh, Toronto has today. So it just speaks to the offense that we're seeing in this bubble, and the Raptors are so far behind the curve offensively, but their defense is helping them win these regular season games. Look, no doubt, I, I've said that they're a scary team because of the things they'll throw at you, because of Nick Nurse himself. He's a terrifying coach to have to face across seven games because you know he's got no shortage of things that he will throw at you. So I feel like we'll wait and see into in who plays in this game and we'll get a clear indication of how much uh, this game we're going to be able to take away from. So I think we'll leave it there because I feel like any more deeper analysis would be a little bit of a waste. Before we wrap this up, the East standings are looking... They're looking like they're set. Now, the Blazers did, um, you know, depending on what you want to see from the playoffs, they did the 76ers no favors. Joel Embiid went off with an ankle injury early in this one. I, there hasn't been any reports to what that's going to be, but uh, not great when they've already lost Ben Simmons. I've, uh, I've said if Ben Simmons isn't there, I'm writing them out anyway. I think they're done. I think they're losing to the Celtics in the first round. But it looks like it's going to be uh, Bucks and Magic. The Magic now two games behind the Nets. Uh, I, I think that that's probably a favorable matchup for the Bucs if you just want to get this one the hell out of the way and move on. I don't think the Nets would give the Bucs any troubles, but uh, purely based on talent, if everyone's playing, I think the Nets are a better team than Orlando. But it looks like we're going to get Jimmy Butler versus the Bubble Goat, TJ Warren. And it also looks like we're going to get that Celtics 76ers matchup that we've been eyeing off for a long, long time going back to February. Uh, you know, albeit maybe Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, who knows, might not be there. Um, overall, I agree. The only thing I'll say is this, uh, of their three remaining games, the heat and Pacers play each other twice. So right. if one of those, if one of those teams takes both of those games, cause right now just a half game separates the three teams, 
if, you know, let's say Miami wins both against Indiana, or actually Indiana wins both with uh, TJ Warren playing like Michael Jordan, you know, that opens the door for Philadelphia to move into five and the Pacers up to four and, and bump Miami down. So as long as they split those two games, then I think we're, we're going to see what we have now as the standings. But if one of those two teams sweeps it, that certainly opens the door. Well, let me ask you this then. And uh, also worth keeping in mind, the Pacers do have the tiebreaker over the 76ers if that comes into play. But let me ask you this. Yeah, then. and so, so do the Heat. Oh, they do? Okay, so there you go. I mean, yeah, the 76ers have struggled uh, 11 and 26 on the road, although I don't know why they're including home and road records <laughs> in the bubble, but they are. Uh, so let me ask you this very quickly, last one. 76ers, if somehow something happened and they moved into the five seed and they played the Pacers in the first round, then you would see Celtics heat in the first round, which would be insane. It would be incredibly entertaining. Even without Ben Simmons, would you take the Sixers over the Pacers with Joel Embiid? No, uh, with the way that TJ Warren is playing and just, I forget who said it, uh, it may have been Andrew Sharp, but you know, when you see Philadelphia and the issues that they have, they're not going to beat a professional team and a team that's well coached and fundamental. So no, I would take the Pacers over the Sixers. I, I would take any of those three teams to beat the Sixers in the first round. Something to watch over the last week. We know the Bucks. a couple of games that might not be uh, the most uh, attractive for people with Washington and Memphis and then, uh, you know, Toronto. We'll see what happens tomorrow. But it's certainly worth watching what else is going on in the East and the, the shuffle in the seedings that might still take place. As I said, it looks like the Bucks are as close to possible to being locked in and taking the magic in the first round. But, Justin, I appreciate that. We've, we've done a lot of talking to each other today. So let's, uh, let's take a little breather. Bucks and Raptors tomorrow, 5.30 Central Time. Tip-off. Frank is back. I, I think he didn't tell me. He said he, he used work as an excuse, but again, I'm going with uh, the reasoning that he needed a breather after Giannis missing seven straight free throws. I'm sticking with that story, but he said he's going to be back tomorrow, so we'll wrap up the Raptors game for Justin and myself. We hope everyone has a good day, a good evening, enjoys the game. We'll speak to you then. <laughs>